It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. Uh, this is uh, another one in the series of us coming down to Stanford and talking to the people that are uh, kind of moving the needle and uh, making things happen. It's also that time of night where, uh, luckily, we get to enjoy a beverage uh, because we are down at uh, third place by Half Full Brewery. So we're going to be tasting a little bit of their uh, their beer uh, as we have this conversation. So might get wild, might get fun, but it, it you know gonna, we're going to liven up the uh, the conversation. And this conversation is actually interesting because I actually get to meet somebody in person that I've had numerous uh, conversations with, uh, I guess met over the, uh, the pandemic, uh, and we get to finally have this conversation in person. So uh, I have John Winkle here with me, and he is the CEO of the Stanford Partnership. How are you doing, John? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Um, we've been working on this for a long time, <laughs> haven't we? It's been... Uh, it's overdue, and I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Yep, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's kind of interesting because, like, I've been looking forward to actually uh, interacting with what you've been doing down here in, in terms of the Stanford Innovation Week. But again, you, as we'll get to, that hasn't happened since 2019. So, um, so if you can just explain a little bit about what is the Stanford Partnership and how does it kind of fit into the innovation ecosystem here in Stanford and in the state? Sure thing. I mean, so 
the Stanford Partnership is an economic and community development organization uh, that's focused, you know, primarily on Stanford, but, you know, we understand and behave that Stanford is a hub for the region. Uh, and so we have companies and board members and programs that stretch, you know, across southwestern Connecticut. Uh, but we're the Stanford Partnership and we'll always be Stanford focused. So we have four pillars. Um, they fit nicely in with the podcast. So it's entrepreneurship, innovation, technology, and workforce. And the way that we like to think about it is, you know, we're an opportunity and challenge-driven uh, organization. So our board members and our stakeholders, you know, they bring us opportunities and challenges. And if we can, you know, help address them or, or pursue them if it's an opportunity, uh, we do it. And, and so, um, you know, we've got about a dozen different programs spread across those four pillars. And uh, that's, that's super high level, the partnership, and that's what we do. Nice, nice. So the Stanford Innovation Week, how did that, uh, was that like the, the event that kind of sparked the Stanford Innovation kind of partnership, or, or how, did, how did the Stanford Innovation Week kind of come to, come to be? Uh, it's a long story. So uh, <laughs> it's a good story, though. So the, the partnership has been around actually since the 70s. Okay. Um, it started as the Stanford Economic Assistance Corporation, um, you know, working on like equity before even anyone called it that. Um, and then it rebranded as the partnership in the 80s. And so it's been around for a while. It was driven by business leaders who realized that uh, you needed multi-stakeholder uh, groups in order to really get anything done. So they were championing, you know, government, nonprofit, uh, and corporate coming together to work together. So that was the partnership. It's been around for a while. Stanford Innovation Week, um, it, it actually, I started a company in Stanford um, along with a couple partners several years ago. Uh, a digital marketing firm by the name of Square Wheel. And we had a lot of meetups in, in Stanford and in Fairfield County. Uh, we had the Fairfield County Marketing Meetup, the Stanford Digital Marketing Meetup, and a bunch of other things that we did. And um, we saw that we were meeting people for the first time, and they were meeting each other for the first time. And in the beginning, it felt like really good that we were helping people connect. But then after like, you know, you have like 20 events, 30 events, and everyone's meeting each other for the first time forever, all of a sudden it becomes like statistically impossible that that, that should be happening. And I kind of step back one day and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like a huge like connectivity problem here. Like these people should be bumping into each other and being like, hey, how was your weekend? How's, how's your partner? You know, like, but they're not. They're all saying, hi, nice to meet you. And, and so I, I had this just like moment. I was like, okay, yeah, so there's a big problem here. Uh, we need to get people together more efficiently and more often and, you know, for better outcomes, obviously. And so you just, like, like what's, the, what's the fastest, craziest, easiest solution to this? Like, let's just throw, like, a blowout innovation festival, and, like, that will bring everyone together in one shot and, like, problem solved. Clearly you're, like, South by Southwest <laughs> in Stanford. So it's, like, yeah, so, like, South by Southwest uh, in one hand, Stanford in the other hand, like, merge them together, and, like, what do you get? So, so that was 2018. Um, it was a runaway success. We never could have imagined it would have had the pickup that it, that it received. Um, and really, like, we've been chasing it ever since. Um, so we did it, you know, we had um, about 2,000 people the first year, which is crazy thinking back to that. Everybody wanted to kill me. Uh, everyone, the volunteers, the people working on it, my wife, like everybody. Then 2019, we had close to 5,000 people and then pandemic happens. Mm -hmm. And so we did virtual uh, 2020, and we were going to do virtual 21, but then we brought it back to in-person, and then boom, you know, Delta comes along, and we, we just, we couldn't like 
keep messing with the audience, for lack of a better term. Like, oh, like you've probably seen some things like, oh, postpone, postpone, reschedule, postpone. Like some is virtual, and we just said like we don't we don't want to do that with our audience, so we're gonna we're gonna just postpone it to 22. And it's kind of interesting is that. I, I would argue that if you kept it in person, it probably would have been fine at this point, just because like it, like Delta did come, like but it does seem as if like people are still going out, like That's they are true, getting yeah. more out now, and I mean, Connecticut has done well with the pandemic. Like let's amazingly be real. like well. it's like at the end of the day, we have done well. I mean, our our leaders have done pretty good in in terms of communicating what's happening, being open with the data. I mean, you got Pfizer right right you know in our backyard right. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because when you told me that you were, you were uh, postponing, I was like, I get it, 100% understand it. But now kind of getting to it, like we were in September, I was like, oh, I feel like this could have gone, right? This could have happened. But you have to make those decisions sometimes. And, and I think that there was a lot of fatigue, right? A, little, a lot of virtual burnout. I mean, especially um, you and I did a lot of events, right? Uh, during, during 2020 that were virtual. And I know I haven't gone to any in 2021 that are virtual. I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. I about yeah, that. I'm, so. I'm done. I'm done with Zoom as well. The, um, you know, it's funny. I'll give you the behind the curtain, like what happened behind the scenes on that. So, you know, it's like August, and Delta is starting to really become something that you have to think about. And I was looking at the curve of when Delta was forecasted to arrive and go, and literally the peak of the curve was the week of December 20th, which was when our event was, but we still didn't even, we still didn't even postpone it at that point. I got a couple calls from speakers who were like, are you still definitely doing this in person? Have you been like reading the news about like what's going on? And then I, I sort of had a vision of an event where like a third of the speakers canceled and, and, and this and that. yeah. And like, Oh, can we be hybrid? And like, you don't like, you would never pay, to go to an event, we're going to have it at the Village, which is gorgeous, uh, in Stamford. It's a new, it's a new media hub here, and like you, and then like you, you pay money, you go to a great facility, and then like you try to throw up a TV of someone's face. It just like it's, it's like go 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 stop, like right. And and I just I couldn't I couldn't endorse that path at that point. And so that that was that was some of the logic of how we made the call. It's like the hybrid model is like worse than <laughs> one or the other, right? I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. I don't. I, I, I don't like it. I, I, we're going fully back in person. Um, we can get into that with what we're doing with, with Stanford Next and CT Next and Tech Hub, and we've got this great program. and, and We went right back to in person, um, and you know, it's uh, we had a real, we had an awesome event a couple weeks ago. So um, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I guess uh, going back to like 2018, 2019. So 2,000 people the first year, almost 5,000 people the second year. Who were those people? Are those like all people from Stanford, or are you pulling from other towns, pulling from New York? Like who 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 actually came to that event? So the the way to look at it is like if you stretch a piece of rubber from like New York City to Hartford, and then like you pinch it in the middle and pull it up, like that's basically what our attendance looks like. Yep. So it's like we get probably that's your bell curve. You're that, it is. About. It is. It is. That's that's like the spike. So it's like you know you know a couple to a few percent from New York and Hartford, you know, so let's say that's altogether 10% of our audience comes from the, 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 the furthest outlier areas. Probably 30% comes from somewhere in between that and lower Fairfield County. Maybe, you know, and then the rest of it comes from, you know, what we call like our neighborhood here in the region. And, and a lot of it does come like very directly from Stanford. Um, but our mission has always been that we, we, we want to provide an event that 
that like I would want to pay to go to the event is like the test. Like, what would you what would you pay to go see? Like, what's the experience? What's the venue? Who are the speakers? And and so we've always tried to get something people will travel for. That's mm -hmm. that's definitely been the goal. You've definitely gotten some good names before, so it's not, it's not like you're you're and you're you're. One problem sometimes with Connecticut is sometimes we don't try to get like the, the top tier people. Like we don't try to get as much like the, the people that have been in the thick of it, maybe not even from our ecosystem. But it seems like you have done that. Like so, I will commend you on that. Um, in the sense of some other kind of places around Connecticut, where it just it, it's all local people, right? I want other perspectives. I want people that are in other ecosystems coming in here and telling us what happened there because, you know, we've talked about in other podcasts is that. We need to take the good and the you know uh, and the lessons learned from those other ecosystems, bring it here, and adapt it to what what's happening here. So that means a lot coming from you, man. I really appreciate that. Um, it, you know, like it, part of our hypothesis is that in in Stamford and in Fairfield County, you know, we have the most elite professionals in the world, um, and they're here, and they go to New York, and they go to Boston, and they they speak, and they invest in companies, and like we, but we have we have it here, and we need to bring it out. And, and we, need, we need to get it engaged. We need to create a cluster and an ecosystem and critical mass and all those buzzwords. And, and so, you know, that has always been philosophically one of the ideas. I love to tell this story. Um, Ron Ashkenaz, he worked with Jack Welch at GE. Um, he was one of the, the people who he invented the precursor to design thinking. Straight up yep. design thinking functionally invented by this guy. And if you don't know design thinking right now, you're, you're not going to know. Like, go Google it. Come on. So I was getting a coffee with him. At, at, uh, someone had suggested he be a great speaker. So, so um, you know, I, uh, I, went to, um, I went around to, to try to get a meeting with him. And um, finally it happened. And we went to Lorca in Stamford. And what happened was um, we sit down and we're chatting. And he's, and he's telling me, like, oh, you know, I was published in Harvard Business Review, and he lives in Stanford, he lives 10 minutes from my house. And I start thinking like, oh, this guy's like, this is like serious. Like, wow, this guy's published in oh, HBR. Like, this is like, whoa, okay. I gotta like <laughs> stiffen up here in my, in my chair and like get serious. And then he gets into the whole thing. He's like, so I was working with Jack at GE. You know, he invented, you know, the precursor to design thinking and that had a big impact on the business. And then I went and I worked for Harvard and I was like, hold on a second, back up. So you're telling me that Jack, you mean Jack Welch, and you and he together in your, in your department or, or in your group, you invented design thinking. Is that correct? Did I hear and understand you correctly? He's like, well, yes, you, you, could, you could put it that way. And I was like, interesting. So like, you, we didn't need to get coffee for me to like, like vet you to speak <laughs> at Innovation yeah. Week. Like you could just- like, put, I probably should have Googled you maybe, yeah, but- You no. could have put that in an email and like I would have just obviously said, said yes, but he's an awesome guy. He's, he's been a big supporter. So, you know, and, and the idea, and of course now it sounds easy and automatic to say, oh yeah, these people are here. And of course you found them. But in the beginning, we, we assume that that was the case, but we didn't know for sure. And, and um, now we're at a point of snowballing all these years later where we know a lot of these people who have been CEOs or they've been, you know, you know best-selling authors or whatever it is, and now they've, they've had a good experience at Innovation Week. Now we just call them and say, hey, anyone you know would like to come back and speak, you know, uh, for us. And usually they, they will have a name or two. So it's getting a lot easier. It's, it's kind of interesting, too. So I'm assuming just by working with Jack Welsh and everything like that, he's a boomer or above, you know, you know, part of the great generation or whatever. And it seemed as though those that generation of people, like innovation was just like, 
one, maybe they didn't think about it or they were just like, I was just doing my job or just trying to do something more efficiently, right? And those types of people, it's like you almost have to seek them out and ask them to be involved because they're not out there doing, just out there kind of uh, interacting with the local startup ecosystem, right? That's absolutely so, right. Yeah, you know, and so you have to actually see, search them out. And when you ask them to be involved, they're like, thank you. Oh my, like, can, really? I, I can be involved? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, you're, like you do have a wealth of knowledge. Yes, we, it's maybe iterated upon at this point, right? It's not the design thinking that, or again, the precursor to design thinking. So um, that's, again, where Connecticut, I think, we have a lot of that stored wealth that we just don't like, 110%. Right? 110%. So, yeah, and you know, that, it, and that's, that's, a, that's again, uh, one thing where that's the basis of this podcast a little bit is, is trying to find what's happening uh, around the state and just letting people understand that it's happening so they can go reach out to the people and say, hey, listen, I have an idea of this or that, or I have this background that I think could be valuable for. That's it. And I mean, it, it, I'm sure it must have happened to you many times since you started the podcast where someone will say, I heard the podcast, I want to get involved or I want to support. Like just incumbency is like such a powerful force. Like just by being there doing that role in that space for enough time, then eventually like you, you'll, if, if your hypothesis is correct, then eventually you'll be successful just by existing because people will see you and find you and say, well, if I care about that, then I want to collaborate with you. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's, that's where we got with Innovation Week and that's, that's where we're starting to get with, with the partnership. And you know, that's always been like, you know, a, a thing for me, like pick a space and then like, you know, grow into the space. Yep. Like, and be known, be known for it and, and then opportunity will find you and, and the opportunity that you find will be more likely to say yes and, and be more excited. So, um, you know, that, that's been a key part of it, yeah. So you kind of mentioned before is that you have shifted your mindset around uh, events and maybe going to smaller ones or more targeted and everything like that. So tell us a little bit about that and, like, have the importance of these events changed for people? Sure. Um, let's start with the importance because, you know, I, I had um, – a young entrepreneur, um, his name is Demetrius. Uh, he, he probably listens to this podcast. Well, I hope so. The, and Demetrius, I, yeah. if you do, thank you. And, <laughs> Demetrius, uh, if you're listening, thank you comment, very much. You know, or a, uh, uh, a review. I'll be sure to send you this link, by the way, so you can't miss it. Um, you know, and uh, after Innovation Week 2019, uh, like finally the last event ended, we had kind of a team, like a team debrief, uh, some of the core volunteers, and he and we were walking out of out of. Uh, a restaurant in Stanford and he's like hey man thanks for doing this because I moved here from Brooklyn and I've been looking for this community the whole time and if I hadn't come to Innovation Week I was about to move back and and um, you know I, I have a couple more stories like that and where that's people that's like a missed opportunity right yeah to, like keep them in Connecticut in Connecticut in and and um, you know now I'll go to the other side you know we, we have a program here in Half Full's third place called Tech Hub um, and uh, there's there's a gentleman who's a product manager uh, for a, uh, a health tech company, um, and he lives. Uh, you know, I'm pointing out the window of third place to- towards an apartment <laughs> complex. For those of you listening at East home, east or west, it doesn't so, matter. So, yeah. so so he lives in that apartment building right over there. Although you can't see it right now, and and he came waltzing in here, and he was like, "Oh, I saw your poster, and I've been wondering like, where is the entrepreneur and tech community since I moved here, and and so like." And, and, you know, I was, like, getting nervous, like, was I going to find it? Like, was it really vibrant here? Did it exist? And so forth. So, you know, th- those are just a couple, like, 
little, uh, you know, flashpoints, I guess, if you will, of like the, the, the validation and the feedback that we've gotten, you know, from the community. I mean, as far as doing like smaller events and what, what we're going to be doing going forward, um, calling them smaller is, is a injustice and I should never do that again. So we're, we are, we are changing. They're smaller than innovation <laughs> week, which had up to 2000 people. That's, that's factually numerically accurate. But um, we just had our first event and sold it out. We did it in the room that we're doing the podcast from. We got, we got packed in almost 100 people in here to do it. And Which is kind of impressive. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's kind of impressive. There's a little bit of it. It may have felt a little bit like Astral World, but whatever. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Astral World. Yeah. We didn't have any surges, thank, thankfully. Um, I don't know. Probably too soon for that. So, <laughs> so um, you know, like we, we know. We know roughly sort of who our audience is and what they're interested in. And so if you do Innovation Week and it's successful, what are you doing the other 11 months of the year? Fundamental question. It's been asked of me by a lot of really smart people. So we, you know, we knew always that we needed to do something in addition at a minimum. And, and then how, how big should you envision it? What should it look like? So you know, COVID made everything a big scramble. Um, and we, we put a joint proposal uh, with Half Full into Stanford Next to create uh, an event series and a program called Tech Hub. And, and Tech Hub is, is a majority of, and maybe is the complete answer to that question of what else are you doing? And, and it's we, we have uh, free tech community co-working that we do here. Um, the first week we had 12 people. Um, the third or fourth week we had 50 people. Um, you know, we had this, this fireside chat we just launched and we just sold out. Uh, that was with Kevin Nolan, the CEO of GE, the CEO of GE Appliances. Uh, he did an amazing job. He was moderated by Peter Denius. We had that event here. You know, it was, it was a smash success. So, you know, there's Innovation Week is like, it got so big so fast. Maybe it could and needs to be a little bit smaller and more targeted and supported by maybe 100 or 200 events the whole rest of the 11 months of the year. And, and so what we're, what we're looking to do is really invest in and grow this Tech Hub initiative um, and um, concurrently, you know, look at Innovation Week as maybe, you know, learning and skill building type of events on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, we do something for entrepreneurs and startups. Friday, we do something that's specifically focused on thought leadership topics and innovation. And uh, Saturday, uh, we do something arts and cultural. So, so, you know, that's, that's the template right now. And, and I'm going to really say that is a template. Don't, don't hold me on that because we always change it at least two or three times before we, we pump it out. But, um, you know, that's, that's the idea and that's what we're doing. So one thing, so it, it's kind of interesting that you kind of, you kind of got right there. We were like, don't hold me to it. I don't want to like, you know, like it, it may change. And one thing that I think is being woken up to in terms of like economic development, right? So what you're doing is kind of in the economic development realm, what Wes sure. is doing, right? Stanford Next, the whole thing. All the other, like, I mean, we're in, we're in third place right now, and this is just an extension of Half Full Brewery. You know, like it's, it's location to bring more people in. You can probably hear people in the background that are having an event, they're doing their thing, right? And so the reason why it's, it's interesting that you kind of like don't hold me to it is that I think a lot of people in economic development don't understand the idea of experimentation and you have a thesis about something and we got to make it, you know, like to figure out what actually works and what's going to um, uh, rise the boat, right? Because mo most uh, 
most people think about economic development, if they even think about it, which <laughs> some people don't, right, um, is that tax, tax breaks, tax credits for these big corporations bringing them in and hiring more people, right? But the work that you're doing, there's going to be failures. There's going to be things you have to pivot. There's going to be things that, oh, well, every time you're almost saying what worked, what didn't, right? What worked, what didn't. So, so I mean, to me, I, it, you're just it's another experiment, right? The thesis that I heard you say is that uh, Stanford Innovation Week worked well. How can we decouple that and, and spread it across a year and kind of continue the momentum, right? So, like, that's, it's, it, it's a... I think the tides are turning a little bit in the in the sense that you don't have to explain everything because you're like it is an experiment it may fail it may work but it, us doing that still provides momentum for the ecosystem right like I mean it's I mean, absolutely 100 percent right I mean it's the yin and yang on that is like the is that's the inflection point of what what we do as ecosystem development people um, you know like the 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 counterbalance to what you're saying is. It, at some level, it is the public's money. <laughs> all day, all day. Well, the funny thing is, I'm sitting here as a taxpayer. I'm sitting here as a participant in the ecosystem, as a startup founder, as a podcaster who is sponsored by CT Next and CI, who is, again, part, you know, like, again, funding your projects, right? So I see it from a few different angles, and that's why it's, I see both sides of it. Because I do, as a taxpayer, 100%, I want to keep accountable my government. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, our, our sponsors and, and supporters, you know, our, our biggest overall sponsor for the Stanford Partnership is the city of Stanford. Uh, they've, they're very generous. Um, you know, Thomas Madden has led that, that charge over a number of years. Our, our biggest sponsor for Tech Hub is, is by far Stanford Next. And, you know, those, those two organizations, you know, have, have, they're led by people or they have people involved that understand entrepreneurship and innovation. And that there there will be stumbles and challenges along the way, but ultimately the product has to be world class. You know, it, it, at some point in the future, <laughs> sooner rather than later. Um, and and you know, and th and that's because we want to be good. Re we want to reflect Stanford, and you know, it's a privilege to to serve the city and to be here at this moment in Stanford's history. You know, it's 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 exploding. Like you know. I feel a lot of responsibility to to reflect that in a way that makes this city look as good as it, as it is, and and so, you know, all all of those things are sort of all happening at the same time, and you know, like, um, and everything affects your reputation, and and it has a bigger a bigger splash. Like, if we have a poor event, sandwiched by great events on either side, you know, we're probably safe, and our sponsors are probably happy. But if, let's say you're a CEO who's considering moving their company to Stanford and you come to the bad event in the middle. And, 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 and so like the, the, the operating standard has to always basically be like perfection. And then if you maybe stumble for a reason, you know, like hopefully you, you recover quickly. But, you know, Stanford is great, and if we make Stanford look poor because we did a, we did a bad job or something, ha you know, something outside of our control happened, um, you know, it's, it's uh, I would, you know, I, I would find that to be a, a, a negative circumstance, and, and uh, you know, we, we do our best to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I, think you're, I think you're beating yourself up on, on that, and, and I'll just say is that I think, I think maybe you'd agree, you tell me, but... If one person gets gets inspired by that event, out of an event of 50, 100, everybody else thought it was shit, but that one person got inspired, and they 
decided to dedicate their time to continually being active in that ecosystem, you've won. Sure. You, you, right? I mean, because we all know that at the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say there's a thousand or less people in the state of Connecticut really pushing for e- startup innovation ecosystem that are active in one way, shape, or another. I would and maybe even argue that's probably less than 500, you know? So to get one more person, to get to get one person that's active and, and, and willing to kind of put in the energy, put in the time, because this is a long-term pursuit. It doesn't happen overnight. Sure. And, and that, that is somebody, like, I, I remember sitting, um, Reset is in Hartford. They're part of the innovation ecosystem up in Hartford, right? I remember sitting in a board on, on a committee meeting in the back of an office space in 2009, right? And to see where it is now and to see the, the, where some of those people have gone, Michelle Cody, now run Launch Hartford, you know, Ojala, who, who ran that, is now at, at uh, Travelers doing innovation work. Like, those people are still here and, and so forth. So it's one of those things where it's, it's like sometimes building an ecosystem is one person at a time, not necessarily yeah. 50 people at a time and everything. Um, again, going to the idea of, like, I think I, we mentioned this in another podcast, was that I believe the Innovation Places program, the economic development, is kind of bringing the idea of innovation ecosystems to the masses in Connecticut and kind of putting it at the forefront. I know there actually hasn't been, like, a lot of, like, publicity around it or, you know, kind of people aren't really harping on the legislature, legislature about this kind of a thing. But it is still bringing it out to, like, the people who wouldn't normally be in the ecosystem. And sure. Getting them and pulling them into saying, hey, some exciting stuff's happened, and, hey, there's a community around you that will support you if you decide to leave your job and go start something. That's a really great way of putting it. And I mean, I do, I do agree with that, you know, at, at the fundamental level, um, you know, and, and uh, strive for perfection. And if you have a couple trips along the way and you find some, some rock stars while you're stumbling, you know, all, <laughs> all the better. Well, I'm just, um, I'm just saying is that like, like I view, I, even though you're in the public realm, your, uh, your economic development, I still see you as an startup kind of entrepreneur, right? You're an, Entrepreneur, if you want to put it that way, because you're part of a nonprofit, maybe not necessarily sure. started running a business or you, whatever. So it's one of those things where I would put that same kind of idea of like you're experimenting, you're finding what works, what resonates, and, and so forth. So again, put putting yourself, you know, put a little too much pressure on yourself. You can't you can't always go for perfection, <laughs> right? You know, I strive for it, but you know, I mean, not everybody I, hits home runs. I, I came originally. Base from hits. The, by the way, base hits uh, win the games, right? That's true. We we, well, we definitely saw that this year at the. Uh, uh, for the baseball season in the World Series. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I came from the private sector, so, you know, maybe I got a little bit of that, that DNA sort of still hanging around. But, um, you know, definitely we, we dream up programs that we think the community needs, and we go and we, we pitch them to our sponsors and supporters with no validation besides past experience and a plan that we think is good. And, and we have to both get the 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 funding and and everybody on board on that side and deliver to an audience on the other side and 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 do so you know successfully and nobody should really ever know that it was vaporware you know x number of months ago and sometimes it's like one month ago (laughs) so (laughs) right so so like um you know it's it's uh but but yeah you know we um and we do do and we do do things. And we have done things where you know it's it's just you know it's just flopped. Like if you're if you're doing like if you're banking on like Zoom and like webinar stuff right now, like mm-hmm. like you're playing with fire in my opinion. Yep. Like you got you if you have to be doing in-person events and supplementing with 
with online content for your audience that's not ready to come out just yet. That you don't want them to forget about you. So, so like, um, you know. Anyway, I'm now I'm sort of I'm I'm going off on a, uh, yeah, on no, a th- tangent. Yeah, three on a tangent. But <laughs> I, I, will, I will take a little left turn here and in, in because. Um, you know, I live in the middle of the state and we've, uh, you know, housing prices are going crazy and everything like that. Have you been seeing, and the reason I bring that up is that like the, the whole thing is that like people are moving from uh, New York and pushing everybody else down into Connecticut, you know, like people in the, you know, the Southern houses moving in. Have you been seeing that kind of uh, jump from New York City and people moving to Stanford? I mean, you're, you're, Absolutely. The, closest, you're the closest city, right? Absolutely. Um, majorly. Um, we won't really know until the next census, which is unfortunately going to be 10 years out at this point, like what this whole thing, you know, did for, for population and migration. But, um, you know, I live, I live in a a neighborhood in Stanford called Springdale. It's, it's known for having like young families being the most common, you know, homeowners in that section of, of town here. And, um, as soon as the pandemic started, it was just like, House for sale, New York plate. House for sale, New York plate. Before you even saw the numbers, before you saw the news, like you just walked down the street and you could see it. And then, and then um, you know. Well, those are the smart ones. Like, they got the good deal. Yeah, like, like they, went, they went early and they, they were wise because there's nothing left now. Uh, and prices are up 20 to 30%. Um, you know, and, and then you start seeing numbers from like the U.S. Postal Service and, you know, the, the census, for example. And, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, I think it's something that um, is going to sustain for quite a while. Um, Stanford has gone through a renaissance in the last 10 or 20 years, and I think that won't be as big of a renaissance as the next 10 or 20 years, you know, based on, on the foundation that has been built, you know, standing on the, the shoulders of giants and so forth. So, so um, you know, it's going, the growth is, is going to continue. If, and it also, then, accelerant is COVID work patterns on top of migration patterns. So you, you hear of like these different work models. So it's, you have to go to the office one day a week. You have to go to the office two days a week. You, you have to live within two hours of an office and you're going in for big meetings, but it's not a recurring schedule. Um, you know, or you have to live within two hours and, and those are just our regional hubs and we, ha- and we have meetings as, as we have them. No matter, no matter what the winning model is in the end for, for corporates or for mid-sized companies, Stanford will win in any of those scenarios. Be, because all that means is that now, like, we're officially in the New York f- blueprint, right, for, you already for get the two New hours. York news, so you kind of Yeah, there, like, News but. 12 is already our, our news, so we're not, we don't have any Fox, uh, that, it's, you know. But, um, so, like, you, you can, like, live in New York hypothetically by what a, how a company views you but but live in Stanford and like before that was sort of you know you're on the outskirts now I think post-covid uh, that won't be the case anymore plus you know like quality of life if you if you you know are of a certain age you know you may be looking to get out of New York and into something that that's you know a little more slower pace if you want a yard if you want the family want you know, like to have a family paddle you know uh, you can go paddle boarding uh, right down the road from here, you can go hiking right up the road from here. We've got a, a you know a big um, you know a, a big and, and growing downtown and a south end here, and so you know I could I'll probably just stop because it'll get gratuitous. But like Stam- Stanford's got like pretty much everything going on, and and it's now being like nationally and, and globally recognized, and and 
you know, you probably heard some big announcements of some companies moving here, like like really big companies. And um, you know, you'll you'll be hearing in the near future, and no, I can't say any names, uh, of some other big ones uh, coming here as well. So that that growth cycle is is going to continue. And then if you want me to, I could talk a little bit about affordability and housing, but like that now that is now becoming an increasing issue. And, and now that is the that is the offset to the growth is how do you make it inclusive and how do you keep it affordable? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, unfortunately, I think we're in a little bit of a maybe of a bubble. I don't know. I mean, the, the kind of what's happening with Zillow just happened. You know, like they just dropped their whole, you know, buying uh, housing programs. Um, I know BlackRock was buying a bunch of houses, single family homes and trying to get into that, which is like there's I, there's I feel like there's a lot of private equity companies or whatever just buying houses and renting it out kind of a thing in the, these metropolitan areas. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there it's kind of funny is that when you move people out of New York City, the amount that they were paying for rent, and they're like, hold on, I can get like a McMansion for what I was paying in rent? It's absolutely right. <laughs> it's absolutely right. It is, it is unbelievable. And you can work remotely for the same company you just paid for previously. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, no, it's a no-brainer to be, to be here. Yeah. And again, um, it's, it's kind of funny is that I feel like a lot of people are like, wow, Connecticut's really not that bad of a place to live. <laughs> you know, like, 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 yeah, people, people go to college here and they're like, oh my God, there's nothing to like you do. You can tolerate it. And like, yeah. But also like when you're starting to build a family, you're just like, this is a pretty decent place to live. I can still go to New York or Boston, right? I can, in like good schools for the most part. Um, I don't have to send them to private school or anything. So, um, so yeah, no, right. and, and, and at the end of the day, that's what all these innovation ecosystems need is we need to grow our population. We can't just be stagnant. We can't, you know, we can't be one of those developing worlds where we're not, you know, kind of increasing our population and everything because then we don't have in new innovators to, to, to take over the, uh, the torch. Absolutely so. agreed. Now I have, I have a five year old in Stanford public schools. Um, we, we love it. Um, we're very happy with it. And, and, um, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it, com it comes down to quality of life and attracting and retaining, you know, the, the talent of the companies, you know, that move here are, are looking for. And, and then just making sure that there's a rising tide that, you know, the, the, the growth, you know, benefits everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and so you need entry level jobs, you need job training, um, you know, you just there's a whole blueprint, um, you know, that we can and should and, and I think will follow. And, you know, we've got a new mayor in Stanford and, and she's developing her policies right now. Um, and, you know, I think it'll track to a lot of this stuff that we're talking about and, you know, making sure that Stanford stays attractive and, um, you know, keeps growing. So I'm going to be the optimist and say that um, the stuff that's happened over the past couple of years, while a lot of people thought it was negative, a lot of, you know, bad, um, I will have to say is that um, as somebody who's been and I'll classify as an entrepreneur for the past, you know, since 2015, when I really went out, I was an entrepreneur before that. But I have felt at ease in the past couple of years because um, that's how entrepreneur life is. You're getting kicked in the nuts every few, you know, every, every couple of uh, uh, every couple of weeks. A couple of things happen good, and then all of a sudden you get, you know, uh, hit in the face. Um, so, like for me, I felt at ease. But I think a lot of people are waking up to like, we can, like, reimagine our lives. We can reimagine our communities, and we can actually do something about it because it's still the best time ever to start a business, right? easiest time ever to start a business to get from zero to one and so it's one of those things where sometimes you need a little struggle a little little hardship to kind of get you to the next level and i'm gonna i'm gonna be the optimist uh, and and say that that's that's what the last couple of years have been um and hopefully connecticut can uh, capitalize on that i think the, the new round of politicians that are coming into um 
in, into office are thinking about that and they kind of want to re-envision that hopefully i'm again optimist you know in, in the grand scheme of things um so uh so yeah so I, I, it's uh it's interesting is that i i feel as if that your transition to making sure that between the the the, the, the big events you have that you have all this momentum building in between is going to be a good thing for you and, and so forth so i'm going to turn a little bit and i'm going to talk about your four pillars all right because so let me get it right so we have innovation right entrepreneurship yep technology and yep. workforce right that's right all right so i'm going to challenge you isn't like entrepreneurship and innovation like they're, they're all very closely tied together can probably be talked about a little bit differently so how do you like differentiate those four pillars from each other you know you you use the term um let me just step back actually just before we close the last yeah, point yeah. i think connecticut is in the best position it has ever been in in my lifetime um, there are a lot of problems that still need to get fixed, but we've we've come so far so fast and addressed so many fundamental issues, you know, on, under Gover Governor Lamont and you know his predecessor's leadership, you know, many of them going back many many governorships, and and so like I I couldn't be more excited about where Connecticut is at right now, the four pillars, um, so entrepreneurship and innovation. You use example before zero to one. Mm -hmm. So I, I view entrepreneurship essentially as the mechanism that's going from zero to one, generally in private enterprise, but not always. You mentioned entrepreneurship. Innovation is not is generally, um, you know, can be zero to one, but can also be all of the other different, uh, you know, applications from taking an incumbent system or process or technology, reimagining it, um, and and basically, you know, innovation to me is is growth, you know, innovation is experimentation um, and iteration and, you know, entrepreneurship is many of those things, but it, but it's a, to me, a business, that's a great puncture. I'm going to actually end right there on the exclamation point with no, the beer no, sorry, popping. Sorry, I had to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried, we're, 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 we're there. Sorry, sorry to kind of make that, but I'm going to interject and say, uh, Pursuit India Pale Ale from Half Full. I'm liking it. I like it. So, so I, I was I was wondering when we were gonna get to talk about the beer. Um, so we're gonna just interject and, right there. And right now we're gonna we're gonna do only one of, or two of the four pillars, and then we're gonna stop and talk about the beer. So uh, we're drinking a uh, like you said a Pursuit India Pale Ale. This is, this is your favorite one, right? This you is my favorite uh, hazy uh, New England style IPA. Big big surprise. Um, and um, this is brewed actually at at a facility. Uh, it might have been brewed here, but most of their brewing happens on uh, on a street called Homestead. Uh, it's about a mile from here, where they also have a, another tap room. And um, you know, I got to give Half Full like a major plug. They're, they've been a supporter of Stanford Innovation Week since the very beginning. They've been a big supporter of the partnership and, and our current big program that we're focusing on called Tech Hub. And um, the interesting anecdote on that is Half Full in 2018 and 19 actually brewed a Stanford Innovation Week beer specifically for us called Spark Innovate Move. And so like if you ever want to like capture my heart permanently, like make make a beer specifically for like a program we're doing. I mean like that I mean how how could you like do more or better like especially in an entrepreneurship ecosystem than that. So um, so a no, challenge to all the breweries because, you know, you got to have like uh, cooperation, right? You know, you have other breweries kind of uh, step in. But no, Half Full, I, I like it. It's kind of um, 
when when uh, we were, I was being told about third place and kind of the uh, again first of all I didn't understand the third place and then I like uh, I got the uh, the uh, what that actually meant. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, makes total sense, you know. Um, and so um, you know, I've I've been drinking their beer for years, so you know. This is definitely my my third place. I'm I'm here, you know, probably too much because of events. Um, and and because they are they are our, our primary and exclusive you know venue partner for for Tech Hub so um, you know I'm here quite a bit producing producing these events but um, now they they've been an amazing partner and you know the the beer is great and it's worth the trip uh, down here to check it out yep. so and so one thing I just want to point out about that is that innovation and, and kind of the, the the economic development work that you're doing isn't necessarily about innovating in every single industry. And not pulling, not kind of like uh, uh, taking other in businesses and like steering them off track. For instance, brewing beer is not, it's brewing beer, right? There's, you got your recipe, you got your cast behind you, you got your, your uh, um, it, it's, a, it's a model that's, I would say that is, um, it's out there, people understand it. If you're a good operator, you can make it happen, right? However, they are supporting the, the ecosystem by saying, hey, we're going to make sure that we do these types of events, right? Make sure we make the certain partnerships with certain organizations to bring certain people in here. Sure. And give them a place to be, right? And so it, it, it kind of takes the uh, innovation ecosystem and just puts their, uh, you know, kind of their uh, tentacles out even further. And again, making it more inclusive and getting people more involved in, in what? Because you never know. The owners of half, half, uh, half Full may have a conversation with somebody in, in one of these uh, uh, events, and they may start a new business because they're business owners, they're entrepreneurs. They may go into another field, right? So you never know. So like that's I just want to like point out about this whole economic development is about placemaking isn't just about the innovation or like the next big company or scalable technology. It's about creating a place where people do want to hang out and interact and you know, don't feel pressured to always be on like the startup kind of vibe kind of a thing. So that's right. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, and you know, it's, it's funny because someone recently asked me like about the dress code for tech up. And I was like, I don't know, like wear whatever you want. <laughs> like, you know, we, we're trying to keep it casual and, and approachable, you know, like the Kevin and Nolan event that we just had here. Um, you know, they're, they're an $11 billion company. Um, and you know, like, Five years ago, I mean, like everyone's dressing up, you know, maybe 10 years suit ago, tie, yeah. suit and tie, the whole nine, you know, not there's not a suit nor tie in the whole entire place. Um, and including Kevin and the person moderating him, uh, Peter Denius. And and so, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think, hey, we're doing a good job if that's what if that's what fostering a good ecosystem, you know, reflects. And, and secondly, you know, I, I, it's what people want. It's, you know, like it. No, the, the, the sort of weird pressure kind of like, you know, event style or experiential style, you know, I think, I mean, that's, that's probably gone, you know, forever, I think at this point. Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of relaxed kind of vibe, you know, more, more or less. And uh, seems to be, it's allowing people to be more approachable. Yeah, like if you, do, if you do an event that's like, let's say, let's say dress code, business professional, like those people, they're just gonna go to another, a different place, <laughs> like, like, or a different, you know, a different event or a different program. Like, like they're, you know, um, it, it, it just, it, it has, to your point, like fundamentally changed. Like, people want a casual experience. It's approachable. It's lower pressure. You know, like, um, we do, we do the, the the co-working that we do here, for example. Like, we have it's three hours. It's every Thursday from nine nine to, to noon. 
We have people that come for the three hours. They literally co-work. They bust open their laptop and they sit there for three hours and they work and they just want to be part of the vibe and it maybe helps them like be creative or be caffeinated. I don't know what it is, but like that's that's why they come. We have people that come for three hours and like they they never sit down the whole three hours. They're they're chatting, talking, networking, like they're and and so and then we have people everywhere in between the, the two things. And like I think that kind of freestyle execution and, and that ability to like be approachable or create approachable, uh, you know, experiences uh, is definitely something that that you know is is part of a new model of uh, experience design for live in-person events. Um, so, so, so before my uh, rude interruption about opening my other beer is, so we are on. You're talking about innovation about how that's you know entrepreneurship is zero to one. Fully understand, get, get that, get that. Innovation is kind of taking older technologies or older ways of thinking, and kind of saying how can we do it better or how can we put another layer on top. What does tech and, and workforce development mean, or workforce mean to you? Yeah, I'll, I'll or say Stanford, cutting or Stanford partnership. Cutting across all four pillars. Yep. You know, we we are enablers. Is and and I'll tie in this the good, to the in last, the good sense. In, in the good way. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 help companies innovate. And, and if that's innovative, then we are innovators. But we, we want to help people and companies and organizations innovate. We want to help entrepreneurs and startups get started or get started better or faster. So, so, and, and we provide programs that do that. So when we say those are our pillars, it's almost like those, those are the themes or the audiences that we want to help and support. It's like if you're an innovator, like we want to do a program to help you. And like we'll figure out what the programs need to be like either now or later, but like that's that's our our role as like convener catalyzer for the for ecosystem. So so you know how do we define uh, tech? I mean it's tech is tech. It's like it's you know if if it's if it's based on technology, or or even for us if it's tech adjacent or tech enabled, you know we tend to bring it into the definition of tech. And, and so actually, you know, we had a conversation about this recently about what constitutes a tech company because we have this program Tech Hub. And so, and so the, the, the sort of rough definition that we arrived at, because we're, we're going to have like um, uh, invite tech companies in to present, and it's like, okay, well, who can you say yes, who can you say no to, what's a tech company? So, so everybody's a tech company. It's everybody's a tech company. So basically it's either you make technology, that's an easy one, or but for the technology that you use, your company couldn't exist. And, and, and so like if, you, if you're using a software platform to deliver something creative or unique, you know, you're a tech company to us. Um, and, and there's a lot of arguing uh, you know, amongst a small committee to get to, get to that answer. So you know, that's, that's how we look at tech. And, and workforce um, for us is, is enabling people to be lifelong learners uh, and lifelong skill builders to keep them gainfully employed forever. Um, and, you know, autom automation and, and AI and, and, and career changes and industry changes happen all the time. And, and a really strong innovation ecosystem has programs, has resources, has peer-to-peer -peer learning that, that helps you sort of stay competitive or uh, change careers or, or build new skills or change skills so that you can always be doing something fresh and new and that should you know enable you to earn a living wage you know th throughout um, and and so that's that's how we look at our role within workforce because it's so big 
It's, it, it's, you, could, you could do two hours on workforce you know, every day forever on a podcast and, and never fill it up. But like for our, our role in Stanford and, and for our pillars and for who we are, you know, that's how we look at it and that's how we try to have an impact is in that, that lane of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like workforce is one of those wor words to me at this point where it's like, first of all, the industries are like getting moving from one career to another right now is like probably the easiest it's ever been. Um, there's so many, <laughs> so many jobs available right now. Like, I mean, if you really didn't like your job, like you can if you if you have a, put a little bit of effort in, you could probably find something new. Right. That's right. Um, and and one of the things about um, schooling and this is, you know, because I know uh, all of our innovation ecosystems are collaborating with universities and and and, and uh, kind of leveraging their their assets and resources is that the dirty little I don't know, secret or the thing that they don't tell you is that like learning is like lifelong like if you stop learning like you're done like you're, it's, you're like you have to like totally it's, it, it's like you have to learn to learn like you have to find the way it, it makes sense for you for me uh, listen i've been in front of i you know with my company we sell educational products to schools and everything i've been talking to teachers who in the audience they had me as a as a student and they were like i can't believe he is up there <laughs> in their class i was sleeping i was cutting class i was doing something else but i will say is that i do i learn more outside the classroom than in the classroom and that's i found that that works for me right and so i just bring that up is that workforce and like workforce development is just getting people to start the learning process again because so many people stop it right i mean we're in uh, a conversation in another podcast that some people, most people stop reading books after high school and even more after college, right? And so um, so that's kind of the interesting thing is that like we're just trying to, just like you said, we're just trying to get people to acquire a new skill if they need to acquire a new skill. Find an, a way to get to the where they want to get into their career or change career paths or whatever. Um, and as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of stuff that I still need to learn to become a better business operator, 100% all day. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like to say that I'm self-aware enough to, to realize that I don't know everything, but, you know. No, it's, it's I mean, that's that's exactly it. I mean, that's a perfect capture of, of the situation. I, I mean, you know, I'm thinking about, like, you know, there's a part of the picture is, like, over the last five years, you have, like, this, basically, it's a revolution. You have, like, Udemy and, um, you know, all of their peers and competitors that they have. Um, boot, boot camps, coding camps, you know, it's, it's that, that industry has completely changed and, and completely tech enabled. Um, and so like our, our, one of our key points for our programs or the way we think about it is like, there's enough free online learning available out there for you to do pretty much anything, um, including like YouTube, like you could learn how to fix iPhones on YouTube and you could make six figures fixing iPhones if you really hustle hard. Like you, you could absolutely do it. And, and you could learn how to use um, like Adobe products. And, and, and you know, it wouldn't take you long, that long to get to a point where you could function on like um, you know, Upwork as like a basic designer. And within 12 months, if you have a good portfolio and good reviews, like you'll be, you'll be making good money. So we have people that want careers and skills and, and high-paying jobs we have companies that that need them um, and and you know we have this like weird disconnect of like so why isn't that happening 
and we, and we have ubiquitous online learning as the third leg of that, that stool. So like how, how can you have people that need jobs, companies that need people, and, and free learning, and still people aren't making money, aren't getting jobs, like college, like schools aren't getting enrollment, like it's just, it's all this like weird, this weird thing. And so the, the, the best we could do in, in looking at this was, you know, it, online learning is intimidating. Um, some people, they, they don't learn that way. Like they don't, I'm making air quotes yeah, that way. Okay. Like, and, and um, they don't believe they can get a job at the other end of it, you know, or whatever other thing that prevents them from, from entering into that. So, you know, our, our idea is what you need in, in this point in time are navigators and counselors. It's two roles. And the navigator is the technician that can help you if you're stuck technically. And, and the counselor is just what it sounds like. It's like a career advisor, like a job counselor, who helps you make sure that what you're learning actually can, ref, can reflect in a job outcome on the other side. Raise, change job, um, or, or um, you know, change careers or whatever it is. So, so um, you know, we're, we're thinking about and looking at all that. Um, the partnership works closely with the Governor's Workforce Council, the Office of Workforce Strategy, a bunch of programs that are really awesome. Uh, regional sector partners being chief among them. You know, for us, we're the local convener for, for Southwestern Connecticut for the tech partnership. Um, and so there's there's a lot on the horizon there. Um, and obviously with the infrastructure package at the federal level, the Good Jobs Grant is coming down the pipe, the ARPA funds that just came out, the Innovation Corridor Grant that's coming. Like, there, there will never be more investment in workforce in our lifetime or our kids' lifetimes than right at this moment. So, so it's exciting. It, it, it's uh, again one of those feelings where like timing is half the battle sometimes with this stuff, and the timing is now. Like it, it really is now. I mean, right now. With, with companies, I mean, if you want to raise money, <laughs> go raise money right now. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> you know, if you if you have an, a new new way of doing some sort of community initiative, right now is to pitch it because people are willing to hear it. Right? They they know that they have to change, um, um, and the people that aren't going to change. Well, they're gonna be they're they're not gonna be uh, here in a couple of years. I can tell you that, right? That's right. Um, so, um, but uh, but hey, John, this is uh, we, I feel like we can talk for hours. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's again, it's been something where uh, we've been trying to have this conversation for a little while now, um, and I definitely look forward to uh, you know coming down here for Stanford Innovation Week and, and when it's back in person next year. Um, and so uh, so I guess uh, how can people either one go to your next event? How do they interact with the Stanford Partnership? Um, where should they go to uh, to uh, interact with you? Absolutely. So I'm very active on LinkedIn if you want to find me. Um, and our, our website is stanfordpartnership.org. Um, there's, there's a subscribe button uh, right on there. And we list all of our events. And we have Eventbrite directly embedded in there. Um, so you, if you see something that you think is good, you can just sign up right on the spot. And, and, uh, and then you'll be in. It's that simple. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, again, it was uh, it was glad um, glad that we uh, had this conversation, shared a beer, and uh, talked a little bit about uh, innovation uh, and uh, community building. So. It's been wonderful. Thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Talk to you later, everyone. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. 
CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.